0: I read a very profound statement by Reb Shlomo Volbi Zatzal in his Book 2 of his classic Sefer Ale Shore in the chapter called Hevdel HaDorot, The Difference of the Generations. I don't have time to discuss the content of that chapter, though it's well worth reading. He essentially says that as a people, we were richer and wiser when we were poorer and less sophisticated. But you can read that for yourself. I just want to note one quote that Reb Volbi cites, and then continue some thoughts we began about three weeks ago on the nature of the soul. Reb says it's impossible for a person to know Hashem if he doesn't first know his own neshama, his nefesh, his guf. In other words, before you can know your Creator, you have to know yourself as a creation. Remember, when Hashem created you, and He created me, He started with the mud, with the goof, and then the spirit was breathed into it. Now, Art Scroll published a little-known but very profound book that goes into great detail on this subject. I have it in front of me. It's called In His Own Image, A Study of the Human Soul and the Personal Struggle Between Good and Evil. It's written by the late Rabbi Naftali Weisner. Let me share some of his thoughts with you from his second chapter. The comprehension of the nature of the body-soul relationship, and indeed the very nature of human life, is very much rooted in the understanding of the biblical account of creation in Genesis. What is the nature of human life? This question is treated in great depth in the Midrashic interpretation of the very cryptic account of creation found in the Bible. The Torah describes briefly the creation of animal life. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 19 we read, And God Almighty formed from the earth all the beasts of the field and birds of the sky. Earlier in that same chapter, chapter 2, verse 7, man's creation is described in similar terms, and God Almighty formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed in his nostrils a living soul. The Midrash notes that the word Vayitser, and he formed, is written with one letter, one letter yud, in the creation of the animal and the fowl, and it's written as Vayitser with an extra yud in describing the creation of man. What's the significance of the doubled letter? Our sages state, and he formed. Two formations, one for this world and one for the world to come. Thus, the double yud symbolizes the unique spiritual quality of human life. The animal kingdom was formed with but one force, the elements of the earth. Man, in addition to his physical body, was endowed with a spiritual element of a wholly different nature. His additional spiritual qualities set him apart from any other form of life. While animals also have distinct behavior patterns which suggest a soul-like quality, this soul is of earthly origin. This is made clear from the following verse in chapter 1, verse 24 of Genesis. And God Almighty said, Let the earth bring forth life in its species, animals creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their species. The very life force of the animal kingdom has its origin in the earth, the foundation of physical life. The animal world was brought forth entirely from the earth itself. This is in clear contrast to the formation of man. Although man's body, too, is formed from the earth, there's a major difference. Chapter 2, verse 7, And God Almighty formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed in his nostrils a living soul. Man's body was fashioned directly by God himself, thus his body is ready to receive a spiritual soul, the breath of God, which is a divine property that animal life is totally lacking. Our sages tell us, in Sifre of Hazinu, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, Rav Simai would say, Those creatures that were formed from the heavens, both their bodies and souls were formed from the heavens. Those that were formed from the earth, Both their bodies and souls were formed from the earth. Man, however, is the exception. His soul is from the heavens, but his body from the earth. Ramban uses this doctrine of the twofold origin of man to explain one of the most puzzling phrases in the Genesis narrative, the plural form in the description of the creation of man. And the Almighty said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. The plural form, let us make, is not only inconsistent with the singular usage evident throughout the rest of the creation narrative, it's outright misleading. Any suggestion of pluralism in the Creator is the very antithesis of Jewish thinking. What, then, is the meaning of the word na'aseh, let us make? Let us, I and the earth mentioned previously, make man. The earth shall issue his body from its elements, even as it did in the formation of the animals and the beast. And he, blessed is his name, shall give the spirit from on high, in our form and in our image, because man will resemble both. In the form of his body he will resemble the earth, from which he was taken, and in spirit, which is immortal, and not physical, he will resemble the spiritual creations. What does all this mean? It means that we are very unique, very special, with an individual and collective destiny, a high one to attain. Finding that and fulfilling that is the function of this life. Becoming like the Creator, even in this earthbound state, is one of our quests. He cares for the oppressed and downtrodden, and so bids us to do likewise. If you give to sustain Ethiopian Jews for 25 cents a day, you are part of that high destiny. If you call partners in Torah and volunteer an hour a week on the phone to teach another Jew how to live and learn Jewishly, you are fulfilling part of that high destiny. And there are thousands of other examples. The main thing, of course, is to do it. The Jewish sages have said that a person is known by rov ma'asav, the abundance of his or her deeds. While Judaism certainly places great value and emphasis on thought and word, our deeds are the ultimate validation or disqualification of our stated beliefs. In other words, I am what I do. We may want others to judge us by our well-founded intentions, but in the end, people, and certainly God, will judge us by our actions. It's the only fair standard. While many religions are founded on creeds, Judaism's main emphasis is on deeds. Actions are the clearest indication of what a person truly thinks or believes. Unlike the animals, as Rabbi Weisner discussed, we are endowed with two natures. And as we've said before here on The Jewish Journey, our life goal is to experience the struggle between the two and to exercise our power to choose what's ultimately best over what may appear immediately good. As Solomon so wisely said in the book of Proverbs, There's a way that looks right to a person, but the end of it are the ways of death. Again, many religions discuss the struggle between good and bad. Judaism goes a step higher and wrestles with the choices between good and best. An appropriate question to be asking right now would be, so how can I know how to do that? And the answer is, we can't on our own. Our own perceptions and desires distort our most sophisticated thinking. I think we've mentioned here once before uh, Debbie Boone's hit song from the summer of 1977. Does that sound familiar? You Light Up My Life. The last line of it says, it can't be wrong if it feels so right. So let me ask you, have you ever been wrong about something that felt so right? Well, there are many broken hearts and marriages out there that all started out feeling so very right. So we need help. King David said in Psalm 121, where does my help come from? My help comes from Hashem, who made the heavens and the earth. So we go back to the one who imbued us with our two natures. And we look to connect our wills with the expression of His will. And where do we find that? Well, we start in the Torah. Contrary to popular belief, one cannot just pick up the Jewish Bible, read it, and come to the right path of living. First of all, if one doesn't know Hebrew, then a great deal of vital information will be missed, like we've just illustrated with the single and double letter Yud, kind of like the letter Y, appearing in the two usages of the word Vayetzer, and He formed that we read in the book of Genesis. English, French, Thai, Mandarin, Tui, or Tagalog. But these languages could never convey the encoded message of the two natures in man like the Hebrew language can. Secondly, a student of the Torah needs a mentor of the Torah. I've been learning Torah for over ten years. Yet just this morning, if you'd dropped into the main yeshiva in my neighborhood, you'd have seen me, over in the corner, sitting opposite my rebbe, my mentor, learning from his mouth to my ears as we poured over the holy books. No one, no matter how wise, flies solo in this quest. I learned from my Rebbe as he learned from his, as he learned from his, as he learned from his. That's the true meaning of the word tradition, the Hebrew word some of you know, mesorah. It literally means to hand from one to another. You can think of it in the sense of a baton race, where there's a passing from one to another. Only this race goes through time as well as space. And a great place to start is with a one-on-one learning program like Partners in Torah. We talk about it a lot, once a week, on the phone, for an hour. So to find out more, just point your internet browser to jwr.com forward slash p-i-t. Now, I never in my life would have seen myself as a Torah observant, Sabbath-keeping, kosher-eating, synagogue-praying Jew. How did this happen? Well, It happened by feeding the Jewish spark within, nurturing it with the soul food of Torah study, which ultimately affects how and what one chooses to do. (laughs) And my Jewish journey began in a very non-Jewish place, with a Baptist father and a Catholic mother. Later in my teen years, passing through what became a 20-year period in charismatic Pentecostal evangelical Christianity. Now, obviously, I didn't wake up one morning and say, You know, I think I'll become an observant Jew. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Years ago, I did become curious about the Jewish scriptures, including such spiritual masterpieces like the Ethics of the Fathers and the thoughts of some great Jewish thinkers such as the Rambam and the Baal Shem Tov. So curiosity, coupled with tenacity, kept me going. And today, it's a very different and very delightful world I live in, punctuated by a sustaining sense of the presence and power of the Almighty. What's the point? A very simple one. Just learn. Check out Partners in Torah as a potential jumpstart for accelerating your own Jewish literacy. That URL, once again, is jewishworldreview.com forward slash P-I-T. And that's it for this edition of The Jewish Journey. I look forward to meeting you again soon, a little further up the road.